Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Hosting this radio program with Dr. Jennings, I'm often reminded of a certain Bible text. It's Proverbs 14:12, which states bluntly, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. That death may be physical, it could be spiritual or social or even mental. There are many ways to die. Today's broadcast is the first of two programs that address what Dr. Jennings calls the roads we travel. And I have a feeling that we're about to learn some very important lessons from our guide. Dr. Jennings is with us today via Skype. Dr. Jennings, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the journey of life, mm. the road of life that people go down, and the different ways people make choices, the way they traverse the road of life. Mm -hmm. When we traverse the road of life, we say, uh, you know, I, I can handle this. I look around. I read books. I, I watch television. I know what's going on in this world. So why do I need to know how to traverse the road of life from Dr. Tim Jennings? Well, you know, I've identified eight ways people go through life, mm -hmm. and only one of those ways is actually successful. Wow. The other seven ways lead to, as you described, a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Mm -hmm. And so if people have the freedom to travel or go through life any way they want, God has given them that freedom. Mm -hmm. But all roads don't lead to life. You know, Jesus said the, the narrow is the way okay, yes, yes. that leads to life, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many ways lead to destruction. And I've identified eight ways that people travel through life that they go through life. Seven of them are, are to destruction. One is to life. All right. Well, let's start with the destruction. We want to get that out of the way. Where are we going? Well, what are we doing wrong? So how some people walk through life, and you can look around, as the people you know, some people walk through life in ignorance. Mm. And what I mean by ignorance, I mean ignorance of eternal realities, ignorance of God, ignorance of how he's created the universe, ignorance of how he's designed life to work. You know, in Ephesians 2.12, Paul talks about those prior to their conversion that you lived in the world without hope and without God. 1 Peter 1, he says, um, do not conform your evil desires to when you were in ignorance. See, there is a time in the life of many people that they used to be in ignorance, but they've come to God. But there's still many people in the world that go through their entire life ignorant of the truth about who God is, how he's designed the universe to operate, and his plan to heal and save us. It would seem to me that the devil is perfectly happy for us to walk that road. He is perfectly happy. And in fact, there is a real aggressiveness in our society today around the world to increase this idea that ignorance is enlightenment. The idea, <laughs> okay. it really is. Yeah. Ignorance as enlightenment. There is no God and, it, and you're foolish to think one. So mm -hmm. we want to go down the path that we claim we're enlightened and full of knowledge when we're actually ignorant of the reality of how God built the universe to run. In Western society, it is the most common, probably, way people walk. They're walking in ignorance. Mm, mm, mm. So what's next? The next road that I've identified is walking in illiteracy. Mm. And what I mean by walking in illiteracy are people who claim to have the knowledge of God, people who claim to believe in God, people who claim to be Christian even, but have no real biblical knowledge. They're mm. Christians, but biblically illiterate. They don't know really much about it. In an article by Dr. Robert Moeller called The uh, Scandal of Biblical Illiteracy, 
He reports about how a Gallup researcher researching America has described that this is actually a problem for us and describes America as a nation of biblical illiterates. Did you know that fewer than half of the adults in America can name the four Gospels? Oh, my. Most Christians can't name more than two or three disciples. Barnum Research Group found 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. So this is part of the problem we're living in today. Multiple surveys reveal this is this is you're gonna blow your mind. Eighty-two percent of Americans believe that the phrase "God helps those who help themselves" is in the Bible. Okay, all right, Dr. Jennings, we're called a Christian nation. How in the world are we supposed to call ourselves that? Well, this is part of the problem. We we have these religious organizations that we attend, but very few people actually spend time in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Did you know a Barna poll indicated that 12% of adults in America believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife? (laughs) A survey of graduating high school seniors in America found that 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were a husband and wife. Oh my. A considerable number of people on the survey believed that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. (laughs) I'm sorry. I should not be laughing at this because this is disastrous. What you're saying here is absolutely sad. Yes, it is terrible because, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, that the things recorded in Scripture were recorded as an example Mm -hmm. to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things. The things that happened to them are examples and were written down as warnings for us. You know, if we forget history, we're bound to repeat it. And so many people claim to be Christian, I see in my office struggling with all kinds of life problems, and they haven't learned any lessons that were given to us to understand these things by. And that's what the scripture is for. It's not a code book of deeds to be done or sins to be shunned. It is a description, a historical account of the difference between living out of harmony with God's design, what some people call sin, or living in harmony with God's design. Those real contrasts are in Scripture, and we can learn lessons from the lives of people who've struggled with the same struggles that we have. And I would assume you're also saying that we should be learning lessons from the struggles that we have personally. We don't look upon those as as judgments from God or or bad luck. We're simply saying we should we should should be saying, "Wow, here's something happening to me. This is not not pleasant at all. I need to learn something from this." Would that be a better way of looking at problems? Well, this is one of the things. God's universe behavior has consequences. Yes. If you stuck your hand on a hot stove and you had a bad experience, oh, that hurts, that's painful, you learn a life lesson. Yes. And the life lesson is that you know your tissue doesn't do well at those high temperatures. It's a <laughs> violation of the laws of physics and the laws of health, and yes. it's injurious. And the pain alerts you, so you stop, pull your hand away, and stop getting injured. Well, this is also true for your character, your heart, your mind, your relationships. If you commit adultery, you will have less peace. You'll have more anxiety. You'll have more stress. You'll have more conflict, even if your spouse never finds out, but more so if they do find out. And so God is trying to teach us these things. And on the one side, that violating his designs for life are injurious and harmful. But on the other side, when we have done it, then we experience guilt. We experience shame. We want to go hide. We're afraid we'll be punished. We don't think we'll be loved again. And we see in scripture, God's grace, God's love, and how God can take people who've done horrible things. And when they surrender to him, fix the brokenness in them. So they become mighty champions of love and righteousness. 
Moses, who was a murderer, becomes a great leader. David, who was an adulterer and murderer, et cetera, et cetera. And many stories are there to give us encouragement and hope that even when we've messed up, even when we've gone against what we know is right, if we come back to God, he'll heal and fix it and restore us to righteousness. Oh, that is so encouraging. Okay, road one, ignorance of God. Road two, illiteracy, claiming to know and to have knowledge of God, and you really don't. What's three? So walking in ignorance, walking in illiteracy. Third is walking in infancy. Hmm. Walking in infancy. Those who believe in God and have given their hearts to him but never mature, never grow up, stay as spiritual babes, needing others to give them direction, needing others to tell them what's right and wrong, looking to a creed, looking to a system, looking to a list, looking to a, a bunch of rules. And so Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews, I think it was Paul, in chapter 5, starting verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. Right. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary or basic truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not spiritual food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, there we are, infancy, yeah, yeah. is not, and notice where they are, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Mm. See, this is the problem. God wants us to become righteous. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to live mature lives. But if we stay in infancy, the infants are those who, when are presented with ideas, they look to someone else to tell them. Just like a child in a real world situation, there's a conflict. They look to mommy. They look to daddy. They look to the teacher. They look to the umpire. They look to the referee. They look to somebody to give a ruling and tell them. And many Christians are stuck. They believe in God. They've accepted Jesus, but they have no idea. And it says, if you keep reading in verse 514, the mature are those who've developed by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong. And we want people to grow up to be able to tell what's healthy, what's not healthy, what's God's ways, what's not God's ways. And the only way to do that is to understand his methods, his design laws, just like the laws of health or the laws of physics. The laws that govern the mind and the heart are protocols of reality, and many people don't understand it, so they look for some ruling authority to interpret the rules and tell them what's right and wrong. But that's so easy. That doesn't take any work, Dr. Jennings. We feel good there because we don't have to put in the hard work to mature. That's exactly right. Right. There's a certain safety. Yeah. If somebody else is responding, I have many patients, they don't want to make the decisions because they're afraid of guilt. They're afraid of shame. They're afraid of being wrong. They're afraid of living fear of making a mistake. So if they defer it to someone else and it's wrong, then they go, well, it wasn't my fault. I was just doing what the pastor said. Yeah. I was just doing what the yeah. teacher said. I was just doing what the church said, the creed said, the Pope said. Somebody told me, and, that, and so it's not my fault. And so they are wanting to avoid that responsibility. But the responsibility for each of one of us, God has given us our own identity, our own individuality. And he wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to gain that capacity. And so Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants who basically what's a servant do needs the master to tell them what to do. Rather, I call you friends because servants don't understand their master's business. He wants us to understand. He doesn't want us just to be that slave saying, okay, master, tell me what to do. That's the infant. That's the child. All right. Let's start on the fourth one here. We have ignorance, illiteracy, infancy, and what's next? Let's talk about walking alone. These are people who've gained a knowledge of God, know his methods and principles, have understood his character, and things have gone pretty smooth because they were operating in harmony with him. But they've just kind of gone off on their own. They've stopped spending time with him. They've created routines. They're not focused on rules. But what happens is they slowly, at first, stop spending time with God. They haven't purposely chosen to rebel. They just get busy with the busynesses of life. 
And over the course of time, they find themselves far away, lost somewhere. The life's not the way it should be. They're stressed and overwhelmed because they've walked away doing it on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Jennings, you've outlined four ways we can walk here on the roads we travel on part one of our program here. We don't have time to get into a lot of detail about how to fix this, and we will know that in our next program, but can you leave us with a little hope here? Is it possible for someone who is ignorant, illiterate, infants, or alone to find a way to God? Absolutely. All along every one of these roads, there's always exit ramps that the Lord is putting there for people to enter into the road of life, the narrow way. And we'll talk about that in our second segment. But yes, it doesn't matter what road you're on. If you choose to the Lord, he opens the path for you to enter his road, the road of life. What a wonderful God. Not only does he make the off-ramps you're talking about, not only does he make that service road that follows along, he has taken the first step for us. As we step in with the Lord, we're not walking alone anymore. Yes. We're walking with the Lord, and he's always there to guide us, but he never takes the steering wheel, Mm. okay? A lot of people say, Lord, you take the steering wheel. That's going back to infancy, wanting someone else to control and pull the strings. He won't. He guides us, but he wants us to make the choices because only by our decision-making are we solidified in righteousness. Does our character grow and develop? We can't do it alone, but Christ will never take our choices away from us because that would make us robots. Mm. Part one, Roads We Travel. We have completed that. Listener, I invite you to our next program, part two, Roads We Travel, and we will have Dr. Jennings share with us some more of the ways that we may be walking. And then he said to me before the program began that there is a final road that we all need to be looking forward to, and we'll share that on our next program. Comeandreason.com is the website. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.